Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So if you happened to drive by the church early this last week, then you might have seen a giant tree that had fallen over between my house and the church. And uh, it it happened early Monday morning between the hours of 5 and 6 a.m. I was still in bed at the time, so I heard absolutely nothing. (laughs) But when I walked out of my house to walk over to the church building... This is what I saw. Well, not this. Let's see. We we got a picture coming. There we go. This is what I saw. Yeah. Now, out of everyone in the room, I have always thought that I had the safest commute to work. But after seeing that tree laying over the gate that I walk through multiple times a day to go between my house and the church, I, I think I'm rethinking that. So... I walk out, I I see that tree, and I'm not sure which fell faster, the tree when it came to the ground or my jaw when it dropped. But as I stood there staring at the tree, I thought to myself, so this is how my week is going to (laughs) begin, right? Because this was not in my plans. This is not what I was expecting, and so I was forced to begin making new plans for the week. I had to I had to call the insurance company. I had to call someone to to deal with the tree. I had to call someone to come and take a look at the fence. Oh, and did I mention there was a giant beehive in the tree? Yeah, thank you to L.H. West and David Campbell for coming to take care of that for us this week. So I I had to come up with new plans I had, to, I had to, to do something that I was not expecting to do for the week. So we're in the middle of the season of Advent right now. Advent meaning the coming. And the season of Advent, each and every year, is a time for us to, to prepare our hearts and to anticipate the coming of Christ into this world, to anticipate the celebration of his coming into this world all those years ago. And so as we're preparing our hearts this year, I'm asking you to remember this truth, that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. There has never been a time in eternity that caught God off guard. There's never been an event in eternity that that caused God's jaw to drop and forced him to begin making new plans. While that tree falling to the ground certainly was unexpected to me, it was not unexpected to God. Nor was the fall of mankind when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, when they chose to walk in sin. That was not a surprise to God either. Rather, even before God created this world, God already knew what was going to happen, and he already had a plan for our redemption. And so we are reminded once again that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. So we're in the middle of a series right now titled, 
planned, promised, provided. And as we're going through this series, we're looking at Scripture to see how, how God began to reveal His plan to send the Messiah, how He began to make promises through prophecies to send the Messiah, and how through the birth of Christ, He provided the Messiah for us. Now, we began this series in the book of Genesis, and we saw how God began to reveal hints of his plan to send the Messiah into this world as he laid out the consequences for Adam, Eve, and the serpent, and also through his, the covenant that he established with Abraham. We saw these beginning hints of God's plan. Last week, we looked at the book of Micah, and, and as Micah began to prophesy, we, we saw how God began to promise to send the Messiah into this world. This week, we're going to move to the book of Isaiah, and once again, through prophecy, we're going to see how God continued to promise to send the Messiah into this world for us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 10 through 14 today. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 14. Now, as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. Just like we looked at the book of Micah last week and we saw that Micah was a prophet, Isaiah was also a prophet in Jerusalem, primarily to the kingdom of Judah. And, and in Judah's rebellion, Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah's message to them was one calling them to turn from their sins and to walk in holiness because God is holy. Isaiah also proclaimed a message of hope, looking ahead to the future deliverance that God would provide. So in our passage today, Isaiah is being sent to King Ahaz to prophesy. Now here's a brief summary of what we know about King Ahaz. King Ahaz was not a good leader. He was a coward in his decisions. He was superstitious in his practices. And he was hypocritical in his actions. All of this makes for a poor leader. And so he made terrible decisions for Judah, and during his reign as king, he was not respected by his people. And yet, it's here during the reign of King Ahaz, this poor leader, that we see God give this prophetic message. We see God, God send this prophecy of the Messiah to send the Savior into this world. I think we have a great reminder right here that even when a nation has a bad leader, God is still in charge. Let me say that again. Even when a nation has a bad leader, God is still in charge. I think this is very practical for us to remember today because I think all too often we think that the person or the party that we voted for has to win in order for God to accomplish his plans and his purposes. Now, I do believe that, that as believers, we should be, we are compelled to vote for people that, that would be godly leaders, that, that would lead this nation to, to honor God, that would create policies that would be honoring to God. I think that, that that's a, a great pursuit. I think that that should be our pursuit as believers. But I think it's also vital for us to remember that God is not caught off guard by anything, and so regardless of who wins office, God is still in charge. 
Regardless of who wins office, God is still able to accomplish his plans and his purposes. In fact, uh, Daniel, the book of Daniel reminds us that it is God who establishes kings and removes kings. And so regardless of whether or not a leader turns out to be a good leader or a bad leader, we can trust that God is still at work accomplishing his plans and his purposes. Even when a nation has a bad leader... God is still in charge, and that should give us great peace today. Now, one of the things that King Ahaz did in his poor leadership of Judah was after visiting Damascus and visiting some some pagan temples where sacrifices were being offered to false gods, King Ahaz went back to Judah, and he began to remodel the temple so that it would be patterned after these pagan temples. King Ahaz is a great example of someone who was influenced by the ungodly things of this world. And as we recognize that about King Ahaz, that he was influenced by the ungodly things of this world, I think there's a good reminder in here for us that as believers, we are called to become more like the Lord and less like this world. As believers, we are called to become more like the Lord and less like this world. And what this means is that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, what we believe, what we practice, and how we live should become less and less like the things of this world, and they should become more and more like the things of Christ that we see in God's Word. In fact, Romans 12.2, we see the Apostle Paul write this, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. As believers, we are called to become more like the Lord and less like this world. So let me just pause right here and ask, does, does, does your life, your beliefs, and your practices look more like the Lord or more like this world? And and I don't say that, I don't ask that to make anyone feel guilty. I ask that of myself too. Is what I'm doing, are the things that I believe, are the things that I practice, do they look more like the Lord and less like, or or more like this world? And and as there are areas in our life, if if we see those things that look more like the, the world and less like the Lord then we need to turn those things over to the Lord. We need to submit those things to the Lord and to his word that that they might begin to become conformed to his image. So we're, we're called to become more like the Lord and less like this world, but this isn't only true for us as individuals. This is true for us as a church body as well. Our church is to look more like Christ and less like this world, which means that the basis of what we believe, the basis of what we practice as a family of believers, these things are going to be fully rooted in Scripture, which means that that there may be things that, that this world now accepts and maybe even this world now pushes that we as a church still reject Because they are contrary to to what God's word teaches us. Understand, our authority is not ourselves. Our authority is not our feelings. 
Our authority is not this world or the culture that we live in. Our authority was, is, and always will be here at First Baptist Church. Our authority will always be God's Word. We are always going to look to God's Word for our standard for what we believe, what we practice, and how we live. And so as... As believers and as a church body, we are called to look more like the Lord and less like this world. So King Ahaz was a bad leader. And and in these verses just preceding this passage, Isaiah is, is addressing King Ahaz not because he is a poor leader, but because an attack is being planned against King Ahaz. And so God has sent Isaiah to King Ahaz to prophesy that these ta- attacks against King Ahaz were going to fail. Now understand, the attacks against King Ahaz were going to fail not because of King Ahaz's goodness. We know that that wasn't true. These attacks against King Ahaz were going to fail because of the faithfulness the goodness, and the mercy of God, which I think gives us another great reminder today that God's mercy and grace are not dependent upon our goodness. They are solely dependent upon God's goodness. God's mercy and grace for us are not dependent upon our goodness. They're solely dependent upon His goodness. And this is the gospel for us. This really is the gospel message because Christ didn't come into this world to die for good people. Christ came into this world to die for sinners. And and he didn't wait to die until we cleaned ourselves up, until we somehow made ourselves better so that we would be uh, acceptable in his sight. Rather, we're told in Romans 5.8 that it is while We were sinners that Christ died for us. And so we are reminded that God's goodness, mercy, and grace are not dependent upon our goodness. They are fully and solely dependent upon God's goodness. Which means you don't have to clean yourself up in order to come to Jesus You don't have to make yourself better in order to come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus just as you are, and you can receive redemption, salvation, and transformation in Him and Him alone. And then after you come to him, this is what happens. As, as he begins to work in your life and as you begin to study God's word, God begins to clean you up from the inside out. So there, there's a lot of great truths that we can, we can pull from King Ahaz's leadership, but, but the greatest truth that we're going to see in this passage today is this prophecy or this promise of the Messiah coming into this world. So with that in mind, let's read our passage now. Isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 through 14 says, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, 
and name him Emmanuel. Now, as we look at this passage, the prophetic verse that we're going to focus on today is verse 14. But before we look at that, I want to to quickly highlight what we see in this conversation between Isaiah and and Ahaz here in, in verses 10 through 12. So, through Isaiah, we're told that the Lord is really the one that's speaking to King Ahaz, uh, meaning that, that these weren't simply Isaiah's words. These were God's word to King Ahaz. And so God, as God promises that the, the attacks against King Ahaz are going to fail, God says to King Ahaz, he, he tells him to ask him for a sign, ask God for a sign. And Ahaz responds in verse 12 by saying, I will not ask I will not test the Lord. Now, some might read these words and they might see a parallel between what what Ahaz is saying here and what Jesus says when he's in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. I will not test the Lord. But really, what we see going on here, the, the heart of King Ahaz and the heart of Jesus in these statements are miles and miles apart from one another. You see, King Ahaz was, was trying, in this statement, he was trying to sound pious or devoutly religious. He, he was trying to make it sound like he didn't, he didn't want to ask God for a sign because he didn't need a sign to believe. But really what was going on is that King Ahaz didn't want to ask God for a sign because he didn't want to believe. And, and if God were to provide a sign for him, then he would be forced to believe. And so it, he, he, didn't wanna, he didn't want to believe. He didn't want to submit to the kingship, the authority of God. He wanted to continue to rule under his own authority. And so he didn't want to ask God for a sign because he didn't want to have to believe. You see, King Ahaz, he wasn't really pious. He was simply prideful. So let me pause right here and say this. All too often, our own pride gets in the way of our belief. All too often, our own pride gets in the way of our belief. And for some, it's pride that ultimately prevents them from coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because at the end of the day, they don't want to believe. At the end of the day, they want to continue to, to live how they have always lived. They want to continue to, to be their own ruler. They want to continue to be the king of their own heart, to be their own authority. And so instead of submitting to the lordship of, of Christ, they continue in their unbelief so that they can continue to be their own king. And so today I would say to you, let's learn from King Ahaz... And let's not let our pride get in the way of our belief. Rather, today, tomorrow, and every day, let's submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Let's allow him to rule over our hearts and rule over our lives that we might continue to be conformed into his image, that we might continue to to be conformed uh, to look more like him. Now, Even though King Ahaz refused to ask the Lord for a sign, what we see in verse 14 is that this prophecy is still given. And we know that it's a prophecy because Matthew chapter 1 points back to it as being fulfilled in Christ. And so as we look at this prophecy, there are a few promises that we see here that I want us to look at today. First, we see the promise of a sign. 
We see the promise of a sign. What does the first part of verse 14 say? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. We see the promise of a sign. And the first thing that we see about this sign is that it will come from the Lord himself. And I love this because this is yet another reminder for us that we cannot, our, our salvation is not, and it cannot be provided by ourselves. Rather, it is only God who can provide salvation for us. We saw this all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when God provided the covering for Adam and Eve, reminding us that, that we need a covering that only God can provide. We saw this with, uh, with Abraham when God is establishing this covenant. As God used those words, I will, over and over and over again, reminding Abraham and reminding us that it is only God that is able to fulfill his covenants. And so, yet again, we have this reminder that this sign is going to be provided by the Lord himself, that salvation is provided by the Lord himself. So let me pause right here and say this. Christ coming into this world to be the Messiah was planned by God, promised by God, and provided by God. Christ coming into this world to be the Messiah was planned by God, promised by God, and provided by God. And this is great news for us because while we can't do anything in and of ourselves in our own strength to provide salvation for ourselves... We don't have to because salvation has been provided for us in Jesus Christ. And so the promise that we have is that if we will respond to Jesus, if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, if we will we'll believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, here's the promise, we will be saved. And so King Ahaz, he's told that this sign will be provided by the Lord himself. But as we think about a, a sign, there are a couple of things that, that I, I would say here. First, a sign is something to be looked for. A sign is something to be looked for. It's something to be expected. So if you're driving from Stockdale to Floorsville, you take 87 over to 97. If you've done that enough times, then you know going to Floorsville on 97, about, it, it starts out at 70 miles per hour, and then it changes over to 60 miles per hour. Now, when we first moved here, I had a hard time remembering where the speed changed. And so Sarah would, would remind me. She would say, look for the water tower. Some of you all may, may have noticed that too. The speed changes right around the water tower on that road. So she would say, look for the water tower because when you get to the water tower, you know that the speed is changing. A sign is something to be looked for. And this promise was a sign that the people would begin to look for for generations until it was fulfilled in Christ. But I want you to hear me. Because Christ has already come, because he has already fulfilled this promise, we don't have to look for this sign any longer. We simply need to look to Jesus we don't have to look for this sign any longer. We simply need to look to Jesus. And so what this means is that if you came here today looking for hope, 
If you came here today looking for life transformation, if you came here today looking for the one that can set you free from the bondage in your life, that can release you from addictions, that can release you from your sin, if you came here today looking for that hope, you only need to look to Jesus because he is the one that came and that fulfilled this prophecy. He was the sign that people were looking for. And because he fulfilled this sign, we don't need to look for it any longer. We simply need to look to him. So a sign is something to be looked for, for, but second, a sign is something to be seen. Understand, what, what God was promising here was something that would literally and physically be fulfilled. This wasn't just a a theoretical sign. So not too long ago, I had a conversation with an old friend that uh, they had not been driving, but they are driving now. And so when asked if they were driving now, they said, well, I'm driving in theory. And I said, but are you driving in reality? Because driving in theory is not a thing. I don't even know what driving in theory looks like. Are there theoretical roads? and the- I've got a theoretical truck in my driveway right now, right? In theory, right? Driving in theory is not a thing. And so as we see this sign from God, God was promising a sign in reality, something that was literally going to be fulfilled. Either a, a, a baby was going to be born of a virgin or it wasn't going to be. There, there was no middle ground here. And the great truth that we have is that this promise was fulfilled in reality. Jesus did come into this world. He was born of a virgin. This is something that people could could look at and they could see the prophecy, this promise has been fulfilled. So a sign is something to be looked for and it's something that that is to uh, to be seen. And so we see this promise of a sign Second, we see the promise of a mother. We see the promise of a mother. Let's continue verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive. We see the promise of a mother. Now there are a couple of things that I would say about this promise of of a mother. The focus of this promise is not on the mother herself, but on the child that she would give birth to. In other words, the focus wasn't on Mary the human. The focus was on Jesus the Savior. You see, apart from Jesus, Mary was simply a person like you and like me. It was through God's grace and through his favor that he chose Mary to be used in this special way to become the mother of Jesus in this world. But Mary... Much like the town like Mary gave birth in, Bethlehem, we talked about this last week, Bethlehem wasn't really that well known. Mary was the same. Mary wasn't well known by people. In our modern day culture, we could say Mary wasn't a social influencer. She didn't have lots of followers, lots of likes, right? People didn't know who Mary was. Mary really was just a nobody until God called her to become the mother of Jesus, which gives us a reminder of the same truth that we looked at last week, that God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans. 
God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans. But the second thing that I would say about this promise of a mother is that really this is a promise of a miracle because this is something that was going to be accomplished by God himself. And so people were going to look for something that could only be done by God because it's not every day that a virgin conceives and gives birth. So let me pause right here and say this about the virgin birth. This, was, this wasn't something natural. This was something supernatural. This wasn't something natural. This was something supernatural. As God placed Jesus into Mary's womb, something supernatural happened there. And let me tell you, God still wants to do something supernatural in our lives today. He doesn't want to put Jesus in our, in our womb, but he wants Jesus to enter into our lives and to transform our lives. And, and so when, when we come to Jesus for salvation, yet again, something supernatural happens because we cannot transform ourselves. But we're told that when we come to Christ, we become a new creation. This isn't something natural. This is something supernatural that occurs in our lives. And so we see through this promise of a mother, we see this promise of a miracle that something supernatural was going to happen. And it happened in Jesus. So we see the promise of a sign. We see the promise of a mother. Finally, this morning, we see the promise of a child. And this is really what it all builds up to. Let's continue verse 14. Read it in its entirety now. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. We see the promise of a child. Now, the hope of this promise for the people is really found in the name because the name that was promised here is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, as we think about this promise, I don't want to be under dramatic about this promise because this really is a big deal here. So let me bring you back to the story of that tree that fell this last week. So, like I said, I was in bed when that tree happened, so I heard nothing. But my wife Sarah was making coffee right inside the kitchen, right on the other side of the window that that tree fell at when that tree came crashing down. And so when I woke up, Sarah said, I heard a loud crash outside the kitchen window. And when I asked her what she meant, she said, like, maybe a squirrel fell on the roof or something. <laughs> now, in her defense, she says she, she thought what she was trying to tell me was, like, maybe a branch fell on the roof. But she said, like, maybe a squirrel fell on the roof. And so I thought nothing of it. I thought, well, that's not a loud crash at all. That's not even a story to tell me this morning, <laughs> right? So imagine my surprise when I walked outside and I saw that tree that had fallen. I took a picture of it and I sent it to Sarah. She was already at work. I sent it to her and I said, a squirrel fell on the roof? That was a big squirrel. So she calls me and she says, well, I didn't want to be overdramatic. And I said, well, you swung too far in the other direction. You are way too underdramatic. This was a much bigger deal than what you made it out to be. So I don't want to be underdramatic about this promise of a child because this wasn't just 
any child that was being promised to be born, God was promising himself that God was going to put flesh and bones on and enter into this world to live with us. This is a big deal. And I think it's important for us to be reminded of just how big of a deal it is because I think, right, all too often, because we've heard this story so many times, we've celebrated Christmas year after year, I think sometimes we forget the gravity, we forget the enormity of this promise. But this promise is a big deal. God did come in the flesh. And I think we need to let that sink into our heads and to our hearts once again this Christmas season. That God himself came into this world. And I want you to remember that he didn't come simply to be laid in a manger. He came to go to the cross. In other words, Jesus didn't simply come into this world to be a baby. He came to be our Savior. He didn't just come to be a a baby. He came to be our Savior. This is what Christmas is all about. And so if that, that truth doesn't get you energized this Christmas season to celebrate the coming of Christ, then I don't know what will. Because this is a big deal. So we see this promise of a sign, we see this promise of of a mother, and we see the promise of a child. Now remember, Ahaz, he didn't want a sign because he didn't want to believe. And so as this promise or this prophecy is given, Ahaz had to make a decision. Was he going to submit to the lordship of God? Or was he going to continue in his unbelief? And really, this is a question that we each have to answer today because we haven't simply been given the promise. We've been given the fulfillment of the promise. And so we each have to answer this question for ourselves. As we are faced with this fulfillment of the promise in Jesus Christ who came into this world as God in flesh, who who was laid in that manger, but he grew and he went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again victoriously. He ascended to heaven, and one day he's coming back. As we're faced with this truth, we have to decide, are we going to submit to his lordship, or are we going to continue in our unbelief? And so the question is, is what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to submit to his lordship or are you going to continue in your unbelief? And if today you're here and you would say, I'm ready to believe. I've never given my life to Christ, but I'm ready to believe today. Then I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond this morning. And if you're here and you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ, I've never placed my trust, my hope, my faith in Him, but I'm ready to make that decision today. I'm ready to trust Jesus today. If you're ready to submit to His Lordship, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can step out of your seat. You can join me down here. We can talk. We can pray. And today, you can submit to Jesus as Lord. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, well, I've already done that. I, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. But, but maybe you've never taken that next step of baptism, just like Brandon did this morning. 
If you need to take that step, listen, it doesn't matter how many years you've waited. If you need to take that step to publicly profess Christ as Lord, you can make that decision today. You can come and talk with me during the invitation. We can, we can make that commitment together this morning. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to come and unite my life with this body of believers here in Stockdale, Texas. If that's you, if God's calling you to connect your life with this church family, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray. Today you can become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I would encourage you, don't wait, respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.